What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias towards the Indiana Pacers. Uh, and we are thrilled to be joined today by the host of the Locked On Pacers podcast and contributor to Forbes magazine, uh, Tony East. Tony. What's up, guys? This is crazy. So it was Kevin Pritchard, Donald Sloan, crazy game in New Orleans, Karis LeVert for Vic, and then me. How do I find yeah. that? Is a, that's a nuts run. What am I doing here? Yeah. It's going uphill, <laughs> mate. I'd say this is the most excited we've been in 2021 for a podcast guest. It's, you know, <laughs> it's been great. Well, Thanks so bar. much for joining us. Thanks. Yeah, guys, I'm really excited. I can't even so, keep up with it. You guys are killing the, the game recently. I, I, can't, I can't believe I'm here. For uh, for three guys where it's, it's currently 3 p.m., what time is it over there? right now uh 11 6 p.m yeah okay so a little dark little cold it's um Very, yeah. it's it's about 30 degrees celsius over here i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i've never been good at that hot. but uh, it's it's hot over here yeah. so um yeah it's completely different time zones completely different weather it's uh yeah it's crazy but tonight we we witnessed an overtime win which uh was pretty exciting i thought i tweeted that it was one of the more frustrating games that i've watched because uh it, it seemed like uh there are a few calls that didn't go our way there were uh some frustration from justin holiday in fouling out there was uh yeah some reviews that didn't go our way with the malcolm brogdon three late but um Tony, what uh, what do you think the uh, of the win tonight, and uh, what was your reaction to to being able to move past Orlando in overtime? It was one of those games. Like the Pacers have had a lot of these recently, where they can't go on a big run, right? Yeah. They just they get like chip like five points at a time or four points at a time, but they never have a nice like 10-0, like get a cushion or comeback run. They just back and forth, and a lot of those games recently have ended like we saw against the Mavs, where like at some point the other team does have a big run and it's over. This yep. one, they were able to, to not have any devastating magic runs, and they were able to, to come back and get it. But, yeah, this one was interesting for me. You know, Bjorker, new starters, uh, weird new rotation, and yet he still found a way to get it done, which I thought was cool. You know, he had if Miles Turner wasn't cramping, I think it would have been more standard down the stretch. But, you know, he had Jeremy Lamb in at clutch times. He had TJ McConnell in at clutch times. You know, he had to navigate Justin Holiday foul trouble, like you said. So I thought this was a fun game because – it was so back and forth and it, and it dealt with a lot of creativity of what lineups do we want out there to try to solve this situation. And okay, now this one, okay, now we're on defense. Well, let's put Goga in to stop a possession at the end of the third quarter. You know, I thought it was a pretty fun uh, tactical battle. So I'm glad they were able to plot a win in, in that kind of circumstance. And I just want to touch on Jeremy Lamb, as you mentioned there, he's been phenomenal. Honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously you missed basketball for 12 months you're not really expecting anything too crazy, but I think the two games so far, he's been wonderful. And what have you seen so far from him and what's impressed you so far? Yeah. Wow. So I tweeted this during the middle of that magic game we just saw, but his first step is so fast already, right? Like mm, he's going yeah. right, right past guys. And we saw with Vic and they had different injuries. So I don't, I'm not, I don't want to compare them like directly, but even Vic didn't have burst for months after he came back, right? Like he struggled with contact the basket he couldn't get by guys as much. He settled for pull-up threes. Lamb still is getting by guys into the paint. And, you know, he's passing out of drives a little bit more. That's what everybody does when they come back from ACL injuries. But he's still finishing strong. He drew a ton of fouls, right? And that second unit really needs that, especially if they're going to start both McDermott and Justin Holiday. Then they really need him to be that foul drawer. So I've been really impressed that he's come in and looked exactly like spitting image, like the guy we saw right before the injuries. But it's, it's been really impressive. What do you think? I thought it was really interesting that they went with Jeremy Lamb 
off the bench instead of yeah. uh, having Doug off the bench. Do you think that was a signal that, I mean, Lamb looks really confident, I think is the point that you touched on there. I think that was a, the difference between Vic and Lamb in that Vic looked a little more tentative in his return. Lamb looks like he's just ready to go. He's just ready to, you know, to score. He's ready to cut to the basket. He has no real fear in his game. Like we, we pro- probably, I could say that we saw a little bit of, uh, trepidation from uh, from Vic when he when he first started, but um, do you think it's a signal that that Lamb's just a little bit underdone and, and Bjorkren wants to wait until he's more comfortable, or is Bjorkren sort of set on Lamb leading the second unit and um, is willing to mess with the starters in uh, in the stead of that? I'm thinking it's the latter. I don't know though because again, he just new starters tonight, right? Like I was pretty surprised to not see Sumner starting in this game. He barely even played. I think he only played like three yeah. minutes, which generally surprising, but. Yeah, another change there. And I thought that there was a there's a pretty good argument that you put one shooter with the bench and put Lamb with the starters. But I think we saw a lot with Aaron Holiday in the starting five that, like, the fifth guy, especially when Miles is back like he was in this one, doesn't get the ball that much, right? They, they don't yep. – they take, like, four shots in the game or five shots, whatever. Like, you know, they don't – that's not Jeremy Lamb's gig. Like, that's not what he should be doing. So I get him being with the bench, and obviously it worked pretty well tonight. He was good with every unit he was with, but – um, so I get him being with the bench and I think fully healthy, which who the hell knows if that's ever going to happen, but fully, fully healthy. I feel like uh, lamb will be with the bench anyway. So getting him some familiarity with Aaron holiday and McConnell, two guys, he barely ever played with last year because the time between Vic coming back and him getting hurt was pretty short. Yeah. So two guys, he hasn't played with much um, plus Bjorkren's just general mix and match tendencies. I think that's a, a good way to, to get him back into action, especially coming back from injury. So I agree with you. He's looked confident. And I think having him in a role where he can have the ball more often, which is with the bench is a big part of that. You mentioned just before Tony about Miles coming back. I just want your opinion on him. All us three at the pace are huge fans of Miles. He obviously does the intro to the podcast. We speak very highly of him at all times. Like we were, we were all very upset with the room and Gordon Hayward trade. We didn't think that'd be <laughs> the best of the paces. We all thought that'd hurt the defensively. And I think, you know, we might be proven right because you take Miles out of the team and you see the games against the Clippers and the Mavericks and we're just getting torched inside. How how important is it to have Miles back uh, in this lineup? Yeah, something, something that gets talked about or a word that is thrown around a lot with good defenders is they quarterback the defense, right? And I know mm-hmm. football's not like a huge sport in Australia, but, um, you know, the, there's just calling out where guys are supposed to be in and the confidence boost of having that guy behind you does allow guys to play their role more comfortably. And it affects the mentality of offensive players who this is what Brogdon said after the loss to the Mavs. It's like, you know, and everybody's written about this. Everybody knows this now, but like just the thought when people are driving, Oh, Oh shit. Sorry. I don't know if you guys are pro customer <laughs> enough. Like, Oh crap. Nah, there's we're miles. We swear. <laughs> for it. Like, Oh crap. There's miles. Like we can't shoot. We got to pass. Right. Like, it's just little things, not even so much their scheme. Their scheme doesn't change too much when he's out. And obviously they've looked like garbage on defense without him. But, you know, they, they've had some terrible rotation stuff with him out there. But just the way it changes offensive players and the confidence of other Pacers players, that's what I think the quarterbacking is. It just it puts everybody kind of on a chain where they're supposed to be and they're more confident in doing what they're supposed to do as opposed to, you know, thinking too much. And, like, like Justin Holiday is a great defender. And against the Mavs, there were some plays where Sabonis – and Brogdon would blitz Doncic. And then Justin Holiday would just stand there and be like, oh, crap. Like, am I supposed to go to the rim or am I supposed to go to the wing? And then the Mavs would score. And it's like, Justin Holiday never does that. Like, what? it was it was very confusing. So I think that is a lot of what Miles brings is just that confidence and everybody knows where they're supposed to go and where he's going to be and things like that. And at the same time, impacting offensive players to not take quality shots. So 
they won the first game with him back. Look at that. Uh, surprise, surprise. Look at some correlation there. Obviously, the Magic's offense kind of kind of blows, but hey, it is what it is. They got the win. Here's a question for you. We've seen a lot of talk from Miles on him being snubbed from Defensive Player of the Year conversations. Is it better for the Pacers that he is snubbed or is it better for the Pacers that he's acknowledged? That's a great question. You know, I truly feel terrible for him because even if he's one of the best three to five defensive players in the NBA this year, two of two or three of the guys above him are still going to be Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, and Embiid who play the same position. Like, like it's not like being worse than them is not bad. You know what I mean? Like he might get snubbed again this year and he probably doesn't deserve it right now. I think he's been better than Embiid so far, but Embiid's still been really good. You know, he's right on his tail. So yeah, I, he's clearly driven by not getting it right. He talked about before the year that like he really wants to be defensive player of the year, really wants the award. Um, always talks about not getting recognition because he's in Indiana. So maybe that's a little bit of a market worry, but mm-hmm. yeah, he clearly wants to win the award and is driven by that and hasn't, taken a huge step forward defensively which who thought that's how he would take his next step forward is on the defensive end so we want him to win the award because a couple of us had him at 31 to 1 to start the season so uh (laughs) i think there's there's a little bit of interest from the paceros in uh pretty crazy odds doesn't he i don't know if you guys track this yeah i believe it's still like 25 or 20 to 1 or something and like go ahead for me it's the same as that year roy hibbert should have won over marcus soul it's yeah I just think paces. It's going to be Miles Turner will probably have to average five blocks to actually win. <laughs> yeah, 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 and he's he's smoking Gobert in the category. Capella had a triple double with blocks tonight, by the way. Yeah, so crazy random. game. Um, yeah, uh, but he's still like Capella with these huge block games and Gobert having a ton of blocks. He's still like twenty ahead of him or something, and he missed two games. Like he's going to dominate the blocks. It's just it's going to be the other stuff that. Gobert does so like Gobert plays drop coverage every possession, right? So he defends so many shots a game and like Embiid similarly. And then another factor that gets mixed in with defensive player of the year a lot, especially for Anthony Davis and Giannis, is they defend the perimeter a lot, right? They they don't just defend around the basket. Turner's better at that this year too, but they do it a lot more. And so when when some voters are like, oh, it's a talent award, not a statistical award, whatever, you know, and that's true, that's where they get the edge. So again, he's probably going to be top five this year. And if he keeps this up, you know, higher than that, he's been ridiculous, but. It sucks so much for him that he just happens to overlap with two just absolute stud center defensively. The uh, the Roy Hibbert quote lives on forever, doesn't it? As a Pacers fan, I think we all know uh, what we're talking about there. But I want to move on to a guy that's been a little uh, little bit disappointing this season, to say the least, which is uh, Aaron Holiday. You know, we talk about him a lot on the podcast. I know Justin's smiling right now, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, he, he's, he had that one game against the Warriors where he had 16-12 off the bench. And I thought, wow, here we go. Like, this is the Aaron Holiday that we know, right? And we, he had a couple of those games last season. But I feel as if it's just one every month for him, isn't it? So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's him in and out of the starting lineup. What do you think that is that, that's brought those struggles for Aaron? That's a good question. Um, last year, uh, right at the beginning of the year, he was really bad too. Remember when he got completely pulled from the rotation for TJ McConnell. But yeah. this year he's even yeah. been worse than, than than last year, which is why it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what's going on with him because – and a lot of it, this is kind of what I talked about when he was struggling as a starter, is he's, he's missing just everything. Like everything he yeah. shoots, not going in. And that's not going to continue forever, but he doesn't have forever, right? Karis will be back eventually, and if Sumner keeps playing really well, maybe they decide to go that route, right? He doesn't have this infinitely long leash to just miss, miss, miss. So, yeah, that Warriors fourth quarter is probably going to carry him to some minutes. But 
I, I'm kind of surprised how like uncomfortable he looks. It seems like a lot of his shots he's taking are out of rhythm. He's not last year. I complimented him a lot. One, something I thought he improved on was he kind of balanced the amount of times he should shoot and when he should like create for others and pass. Yeah. And this year, you know, the Warriors fourth quarter, that game, you said he had 12 assists. That was the best he's looked. I think that's the best he's done balancing that. And then most of their games, he's kind of gone back to being a forceful shooter closer to what he was as a rookie. So I kind of feel like he's taken a step back in his balance on offense and, I don't know how much Bjorkeren is run interference with telling him what to do and what roles to play. You know, a new coach, when someone's changed dramatically in their impact is always something you have to consider, but also he's just missing a lot. So maybe he's just down in confidence. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's definitely been a lot worse. And it's very interesting. I want to know why Justin was smiling when you asked the question now. <laughs> I, I am probably the harshest critic on Aaron Holiday. For years, okay. I've had a box full of people telling me how good he is and, how he's the best holiday brother, and I'm just like, nah, he's the best holiday brother. I've had it. I've had it all. Apparently, wow. Drew's. So, um, I probably I'm very harsh on him. I just don't think he's shown much. I I prefer Connor in the lineup. I prefer Sumner in the in the lineup. That that's just me personally. But um, I'll I'll ask you a two part question now. I know I've I've actually heard some of your takes because I do listen to your podcast. But we we'd be remiss without asking you about the the big Victor Oladipo trade, what, what were your thoughts on it? And then the second part to that is how good do you think this Pacers team can be fully healthy once Warren's back, once Levert's back? I know it's extremely tough because, you know, timelines and we don't know how the players are going to be, but with this team on paper, what do you what do you think the ceiling is? Yeah, for the trade, I think that Karras was the guy everybody thought was like the peak value anyway in the offseason. And Vic, Vic played pretty good this year, so maybe he expanded his value a little beyond that, but – I think that's a good return. You know, I think everybody's kind of figured that out from the Pacers side. Like, okay, this guy's close to as good, if not as good. And the big part that makes it a slam dunk home run, even if Karras doesn't even play this season, is that Vic was going to leave, right? We got this report from the former Suns GM that he turned down an extension for a hundred and whatever million for multi, multi-year deal starting at 25 million. Basically, it's a maximum extension. That's all the signal you need. He's not going to stay, right? Yeah. So – if that had gotten out before this trade, which I don't know, I'm assuming the trade is why he decided to release this report, whatever. But if that had gotten out before he was traded, right, for sure he's gone before the deadline. And I think that we kind of all thought that was probably going to happen anyway this year, especially because he was playing better. But now that we know that that happened, or at least Ryan McDonough is reporting that that happened, um, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to trade him. So to get Karras in two seconds, and one of those yeah. from the Cavs, I mean, the Cavs are actually okay this year, but one of those could end up being good. The Rockets aren't awesome either. So, yeah, good good value trade. I like it from that perspective. Emotionally, most fun season covering the team for most people on Twitter uh, was the Vic year in 17-18. So that, that absolutely sucks. And first game with the Rockets, he looked just ridiculously good. So, yeah, it's going to hurt like hell until, uh, until Karras comes back and is actually playing. But, yeah, I think purely business and basketball, it's a good deal. And how good can the starting lineup be healthy? Good question. Um, you know, I want to say that – and we never really got to see the Vic version fully actualized, but now that Turbonus is kind of clicking, you know, Bjorkman's got those two going. They don't really have like a weak hole offensively with Brogdon, Karras, Warren, and the two bigs. So I think they'll fi- they'll have a way to score almost any time down the court. They've got better set plays this year, right? Better weak side movement, the thing everybody wanted basically uh, from a new coach when McMillan was gone. That's all there, even if they're not shooting the threes, they're getting to the rim all the time, right? So their efficiency still pumped up. So I think that group can be pretty good offensively. I do worry slightly that they still don't like 
Warren always guarded the other team's best player when he was healthy, so maybe that'll help a little, but they still don't have the big wing stopper, and they're going to run into those when games are real important and really matter. So I think that that it's good enough to probably get you through a playoff round if it's really clicking and everyone's healthy, which who knows. But that's a maybe. So I think it can be pretty good. They've got a lot of talent. They can do a lot of different things. And, again, doesn't really have a big hole. But at the same time, they don't have the, the big puncher yet. You know, maybe Sabonis can do that in the playoffs. We haven't seen him at this level healthy at that point. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I think it can be really good, but not quite awesome. I think that's the, the words I would use, the exact verbiage I want to use. The guys are probably sick of me bringing up that particular hole in the uh, in the defense because I feel like every time we talk about the uh, the gaps in the team, I bring up the big wing defender well, because of just our look at opponents. The teams that beat him, you know, yeah. look at the teams that beat him this year. I mean, the Knicks being an outlier because Julius Randle had the game of his life. Which yeah. what the hell was that? But like Harrison Barnes killed him, big wing. Luka Doncic, big wing. Um, Celtics, Jason Tatum, big wing. Uh, and I'm missing one. Who am I missing? Crap. This is embarrassing. Well, Simmons, Kawhi Simmons played, Tatum, Siakam Kawhi, always, yeah. you know, yeah. always play well as well. You've right. got so many big sort of large uh, small forwards that can play power forward that they can, you know, stretch the floor with that we just can't defend right, right. now. Right. Yeah. So that's what and Warren helps so much there, right? Like even though he guards guards sometimes, he helps so much with that just because he's big and tries to guard the ball now, which he never did with the Suns. So yeah, that's, that's their biggest hole. And, Warren helps a lot with that, but his foot is shattered right now. So who knows when he'll be back and playing. What What do you guys think? The ceiling, I, I, I need to turn this around. I feel like it's just you guys have a question to me. What do you guys think the starting lineup can do when fully healthy? I think there's, we can definitely get to the conference finals. Uh, I think is probably the, the ceiling of the team. I just, my biggest problem is exactly what we've been talking about. It, depending on who we come up against, whether it be Giannis, whether it be Simmons, whether it be uh, Simmons and Embiid for that matter, because Embiid always tortures Miles Turner um, or uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, we don't have the the defense to be able to defend those guys that can make really, really tough shots. So that's the the position that I want filled. I think, you know, Alex, you and I have spoken about the uh, the trade exception and Rondé Hollis Jefferson as a free agent signing <laughs> off the, at the end of the bench and those sorts of moves that we can make. But Alex, I'll throw to you as well. I mean, what, what's the ceiling? Yeah, I think I, I'm in agreement with you, probably the conference finals. But at this point, if you're a Pacers fan, you would take a series win, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it's been about seven yes. years. So we'll, we will take anything at this point. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, even down the list, you look at Miami, we struggle to guard Jimmy Butler, right. uh, the Raptors, Siakam. So you look down, up and down the East and they have those good wing players, which, yeah, we've struggled to stop. So I don't know necessarily where you fill that hole. I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He's not going to shut down Giannis, is he? So um, yeah, it's it's tough. I think it's but also the lack of a superstar, isn't it? Like who he's going to shut down Giannis? Right, yeah, who he's going right. to shut down Jason I, okay. Tatum, I think, yeah. I talked about Rondé on Locked On Pacers because I got this exact question from him. I'm like, yeah, Rondé's a good defender, but like, that's it's almost like getting cute. Like, have you guys seen yeah. the memes about the PJ Tucker LeBron stopper stuff when the Raptors yeah. signed him? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like yeah, PJ Tucker's way better at defense than Rondé, and they were like, the Raptors like, sick, we got PJ Tucker to guard LeBron, mm -hmm. and then he did nothing, right? LeBron just yeah. said, screw you, I'm just going to score a thousand points, like, <laughs> like Rondé can help a little bit, I guess, but yeah, yeah like you just said, Adam, like. Rondé's not gonna do shit against Giannis. Like that's not. It's not. Why would you know? It's not worth it. You know. You need like a dude for that, and it's hard. It's just. It's really hard. Every team wants that guy. That's why they cost like a bajillion dollars. So. 
And the only the only answer then, if you can't stop them, you just have to outscore them, which I think is yes. where this team is heading and why this team is shooting so many threes. Well, well, and... I, so I think the Luca. Sorry, I just cut you off so yep. bad. The Luca blueprint, I think, is what they're going to go for a lot because he didn't score that much. I don't remember what he ended with, but it was under twenty, right? They had him passing like crazy, and that's what you know. They they kind of tried to do that against the Clippers, but they had two they had two guys. Which, ooh, that's that's real tough, right? Yeah. So that's, I think, what they're going to try to do. And that, maybe they pray they get the Celtics because Jalen Brown's not quite the passer, so they can maybe force it out of Tatum's hands a bunch. But I think that blitzing stuff, they're going to go crazy with that. That's that was I one of the things that, that Malcolm brought up or that Miles actually brought up in, in him saying that, you know, they miss my defense. He was saying that, you know, Domas, when he when Miles is on the, on the court, Domas is free to blitz. And that seems to be a lot more of his role uh, in this team and that's probably the other potential hole which is Goga which is that backup center position because Domas being able to to be out in the perimeter defending and blitzing in in that fashion obviously supports the perimeter defense but without miles on the floor you you give up the rim so uh, I think the other the other question is Goga uh, I, I uh, jokingly said uh, on Twitter during the week that maybe my Goga jersey purchase would be an ironic one in a couple of years' time rather than a, uh, a positive. But, I mean, it, my man Goga has not looked great. He um, KP said on our podcast a couple of months ago that it takes bigs a long time to develop, but you would expect that by one and a half seasons in, even with his injuries, that we'd show, see flashes, at least, of progress. And it doesn't seem like we've seen anything of that nature, Tony. I've kind of come to Goga's defense on this, I, but I to, to, to address what you've literally just said, yes, his first game was really rough, right? And you'd, you'd obviously, like you said, he got drafted in July of 2019, right? It's 2021. Like, okay, like, look at the calendar. That's a long time. And then you got to think back to, he missed that summer league because of visa issues, right? That's yeah. tough. Then missed some of preseason injury. Then missed, then summer league stunned because of COVID, right? That's a big development for some guys. Then another injury for preseason, right? So just, a lot of missed development opportunities have kind of cost him. And then he's only played in 56 games because he's totally buried by Turner Shabon. So he hasn't played a ton. So his leash is still pretty long for me. And I think he had enough good games last year where I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, he was so bad against the Clippers. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Sell your jersey. What, this is over. Like, you know, I'm not at that point yet. But, yeah, like you would like to see better when he gets a 15-minute opportunity. So I, I, it's, it's, re- it's a really tough discussion, right? Like I did a whole 10, 15 minute rant on him on the show yesterday. Cause I think the rush to label that one game kind of is frightening from like, it, it's kind of like an immediate, it's it's the internet right now, right? It's the immediate gratification yeah. days. Where it's like, Oh my gosh, we have to stamp this. But I mean, it, it is alarming when a player who needs to be growing, isn't growing. We're talking about that with Aaron holiday too. I mean, it's, it's different because he's got a solidified role versus yoga who needs to prove he belongs at all in the NBA, but. Yeah, you, you got to show growth as a young player, and we haven't we ha- really we have not seen year one to year two growth. So as much as I'm defending him because his lease should be long, we still haven't seen growth, which is important. And I think a big thing as well is the expanding of the rotation. I know Nate wants to keep it pretty small. Obviously, Sabonis and Brogdon are playing absolutely crazy minutes. Um, I, I really don't know how, how long you, how long can you sustain that for? I think Goga, Sumner, even Aaron Holiday, do they have to start playing more minutes because? Obviously, you know, these are your, your top two guys this season and they're playing right. uh, Tom Thibodeau-level minutes from, <laughs> from the Bulls days. So how long can we sustain that for? Uh, good question. I asked Bjorkren about that. Oh, man. Uh, it was during the road trip. I forget which game. Or maybe it was right before the road trip. 
Uh, but I was like, yeah, this is a lot of minutes. Like, you know, are you cool with this? Like, is this the plan? Whatever. And there's a lot of injuries, right? There's some yeah. level of like, I get it. You know, you, yeah. you haven't had the reserves. Go goes back now though. Right. Mm-hmm. So his, his answer, and I think you, you guys probably know this, but I don't know listeners do or not, but like he, but he said basically was their practices are way easier than last year and they go easier in shoot arounds. Right. So like the total package workload over the whole season Maybe similar, but obviously games are more intense. And there's a reason, guys, Sans Tibbs, for all of eternity, haven't played them that much minutes, right? <laughs> it's a joke for a reason because it's not the best way to do it. So, yeah, it's concerning. And I thought when Goga came back that because KP said in the summer or whatever his preseason press conference was, summer was fake last year, uh, November, he's like, we got to try to find a way to get Goga to play. I thought that even five minutes, five minutes of Goga yeah. to get Sabonis down to like 33. Boom. I think that helps everybody. And then they didn't play Goga with Turner out even. And he got in for one possession against the magic just now, but like, yay, you know, one possession. But, um, so yeah, it, that seems like an easy way to fix one of their minutes problems and are not doing it. So I think it could become a concern, right? There's a re again, there's a reason Tibbs jokes her thing. Like that's a lot of minutes and those guys burn out faster. Maybe not necessarily like they're more susceptible to an injury in this season or something like that, but I think with a guy like Taj Gibson, I think what happens is when they get to their high th- or their like low thirties in age, the burnout shows up a little sooner for them than the yeah. typical player, and that's a that's a you know that's a over half decade down the road problem, but still something to consider with these guys, right? How long are they going to be playing? How much burnout does it cause when they're older? You know, Brogdon's older now. You know, Sabonis is young, whatever. But Brogdon, you got to be thinking about that stuff. So if it means a little bit more Sumner and McConnell, like they've been fine, you know, just do it. Just do it. So I get it. Like in this kind of game with the magic, it's close. You need to win whatever. But like, I just, I, sometimes I think he's, he's hammering them a little too hard. And Caitlin Cooper tweeted this too. Like if, if practices and shoot around are really this easy, why can't Vic play back to backs? Like there's a lot of like weird messaging with the minutes that's confusing. So I don't know how much I buy the total package stuff. And I just, I think you go with the science that apparently every other 28 teams that don't have Tibbs and Bjorken as the coach are using and get them closer to like 32 or 33. But maybe he's right. You know, maybe he is. We'll see. It's only 14 games and they have been the only two healthy guys. So maybe he's right. We'll see. But I, I think it's got to get a little bit lower. Yeah, I think uh, it's long answer. It's, it's tough. It's a tough fit, I think, with Goga and the bench as well, Justin, isn't it? We we don't have a genuine backup four to sort of pair with him. It, it's got to be with either Miles or Sabona. So you've got to go with Doug or even Justin as the four, which isn't necessarily a natural fit. So you're expecting Goga to do a lot of heavy lifting inside, which I think it might be a bit of an issue as well. It's probably asking a little bit too much for a guy who hasn't played much ball. Yeah, it is. I think, I mean, we've been biggest advocates on the podcast for so long is preach patience throughout all these injuries and minutes changing. You got to preach, preach patience with some people, but Tony, I want to, you know, you do have some worldwide Australian fans of yours. You know, we, we get, we're in talks to get you on the podcast and, you know, some people who said, Oh, I see the guy on the depot, Nate. And we're like, yeah. Just how, how funny did you find it when the pace is hard and new coach called Nate? Is that going to help you in your post-game zones or is that going to cause you more troubles? (laughs) I I haven't messed up this year yet. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course we just pivot to saying Nate again. It already rolls right up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I do have a funny press conference story with Vic again. It was actually, I think the last one, maybe the second last one he did before he got traded. I was on the, it was was after they played the Rockets. So that's not true. He did a few more after that, but. They, yeah. I was on the Rockets one on one screen and the Pacers one on the other. And I was going to ask James Harden about Miles Turner's defense. 
and I raised my hand in both. And I got called on for James Harden oh, no. like two seconds before the Pacers called on me, right? So I can't talk in both. So I didn't unmute myself. So I'm talking and I asked James Harden about Miles and I, they, they call my name in the Pacers one and I just don't say anything. And then Victor goes, <laughs> Tony, where are you? And then I got skipped and I didn't ask a question. So that was my, I think my last uh, raising my hand for Victor was me. You, you totally left Vic on red. I know, I know. I left him on red and he, he called me out for it. So that, yeah, I just <laughs> sucked it in uh, media with him apparently. <laughs> That's tough doing two at the same time, particularly yeah. if you, you've got to be involved. Speaking of, you know, your in, interactions with the team, you've been in the new field house. We wanted to ask you about the the upgrades and, and the overall feel. Obviously, there's some fans let back in. I don't know the exact number, but um, at, for, for listeners, I'm sure there's a lot of Australian listeners who have been to Indianapolis and gone to games like we have. Um, what's changed? How's the vibe? What's uh, What would you say the biggest changes that you would notice when uh, we're allowed to go newest- back? Oh, sorry. The, the cool thing, the big thing, the new scoreboard is huge and like that's so dumb. Yeah. But it's just like it. I catch myself during the game, like the game is going on right in front of me in the court. And I'm looking up, watching it on the screen <laughs> above me. Like why? Yeah. It's it's so intimidating. It's it's super huge and nice. Uh, a lot of the restaurants that are like on the the club level and the ground level are upgraded too. They are really nice. Although I don't really go down there that much because pressure is up higher now. Too important. Uh, and all the suites are better. They. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, no, I'm way too high up now. They, they put us up way higher to, to keep us away from the players. So we actually yep. look pretty unimportant and tiny. <laughs> um, the, all the seats are new. They're summer gray. And like the, this is stuff that doesn't actually matter for fans, but it's still just cool shit. Like that all the technology that can like retract the seats into the wall. Like right now there's like a stage and a car on the side of the court that you can't see on the broadcast. I guess from some camera angles, you can see it, but like it looks yep. huge. The court looks huge. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff like that. They just did the tour the other day for the new fever stuff is actually in there. People don't really know this. You don't see this in the broadcast. Like the fever practice court is actually in the stadium, like, uh, wow. like across a hallway, basically from where the Pacers play. Yeah. So the, the fever practice court got upgraded. Their locker room got upgraded. Um, there's like a different hallway they take to get onto the court. All that looks brand spanking new too. I haven't seen the Pacers stuff yet. I'm sure it got, slightly changed as well because they're redoing basically everything so they're getting they're pretty far along in that stage the next stage i think is getting changed or delayed or something but they're like building like an ice rink and like a multi-purpose park outside so that's gonna be pretty cool too but yeah the inside looks it doesn't look like if you'd recognize it if you walked in but like everything is just so slightly different and better now so it looks really nice Awesome. awesome i highly recommend everybody come visit Yes, yes. Well, once once the world decides to be a little bit less insane, then uh, we, the three of us, will yeah, all be over. Yeah, not now. <laughs> Let yeah. me correct that. Yeah, not not right this second. But um, Tony, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for being on the show. You can listen to Tony on Locked On uh, Paces. You can follow him on Twitter. I think it's Tony East NBA uh, on Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show on the Pace Roos today. I love coming on the Pacers, and I love sounding like a dumb American, like with an ex, with a non-Australian accent on the Pacers. You know more than the three of us combined, mate. We appreciate having you on. We'll wrap it up here, guys. Thank you Thank so you much guys. for listening to the Pacers. Uh, we will see you next week.